Imagine powering your 18-wheeler down the road, but when it's time to fuel up, you pull up to an ethanol pump rather than a diesel dispenser. It could happen. Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. The diesel engine is a remarkable machine that uses compression to ignite fuel to create power. And it turns out that with the right alterations, there are different potential fuel sources. B.J. Johnson is CEO and co-founder of Clear Flame Engine Technologies, and his colleague and co-founder Julie Blumreiter, who is the company's chief technology officer, are rethinking diesel power. They've converted an X-15 500-horsepower Cummins 15-liter engine to burn 100% ethanol, but the machine is technically fuel agnostic. For some time now, The duo and the team at Clearflame have worked with an engine mounted to a dynamometer to run load tests and prove that the idea works. But now they've taken the next step. The engine has moved from the lab to the 18-wheeler. We caught up with BJ and Julie just before they announced the big news to learn more about what's ahead for this very special engine. And they discuss what it means that the machine is actually fuel agnostic. BJ and Julie, welcome to Around Farm Progress. Thanks for joining me today. I'm very excited. Uh, you know, we've been talking off and on for the last, well, eight, nine months about Clear Flame engine technologies. Um, but you have big news. Uh, who wants to tell me what's going on with Clear Flame? What's the next step? Uh, yeah, we have our first truck driving. It's powered by uh, 100% uh, alcohol fuel, uh, E98. Um, so we were able to take all the work we've done on dynos. Um, and test cells and translate that into our first vehicle and we are out driving it. So, but that standpoint, I mean, this is kind of proof of concept, right? I mean, we all know a dyno puts a lot of stress on an engine and you can prove a lot of stuff, but but potential buyers really need to see some rubber under this thing, don't they? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly true. There are things you can only um, learn and refine in a vehicle setting. And so those are the things that we're focused on now is the the parts of the integration into the vehicle, how that affects the user experience and ensuring that when we do that fleet handoff, that the driver won't know the difference between whether there's an ethanol engine or a diesel engine under the hood, they'll only have to notice when they go to fill it up. As engineers, it's it's straightforward, as we know, to kind of go from that dyno to the actual truck process, which is what you're referring to, Willie. Um, And certainly any OEM is going to know that process very well. But there's also the additional scrutiny that's on us as a startup to prove that we actually can follow that development pathway. And that's something else we're showing here, that we can not just get an engine to run like diesel on ethanol, but also follow the same development process that would have been used for a traditional diesel engine. Right. And I think uh, maybe people don't think about this. I'm pretty sure heavy duty gearheads do, but the engine is just a a part of this drivetrain. And this engine has to speak to the transmission, right? In the old days, it was all just gears and levers. But today, when I shift a truck, it's a a signal being sent to the transmission and the, the engine and everybody has to talk to each other. How's that working out? Yeah, so because we're doing our our own controls for this, we are having to make sure that the engine and the transmission talk to each other, like you said, um, you know, for the shift point so that it's smooth and has the same drivability that uh, drivers would come to expect. Um, So that's moving along. We're in the tuning phase right now where we're making those kind of refinements to the the way that the the communication happens. Um, And that's, you know, kind of piggybacking on what BJ said. It's what the natural path would be for when you put an engine 
into, you know, made it with a transmission and you refine those controls and those shift points as you go. For every headache that comes from, you know, the increase of electronics in these engines, and that's something that we have to manage on our own as a startup, you know, there's probably five or six things that have evolved in the diesel space that are strictly helping us. You know, the advances in injection technology, oil lubricated fuel pumps, all of that. These were changes that had nothing to do with clear flame in mind, but certainly make our job a lot easier. So the modernization of engines is not, it's, it's much more of a benefit than it is a complaint from our side, believe me. So the other question I think some people, when they hear about this, are going to be excited about is, uh, well, we'll ask this question. Will there be a field conversion or will this always have to be an OEM approach? It depends on the, the product we're talking about. I mean, the, the short answer is in the long run, it will be a bit of both. The trucks that we're starting with, that is absolutely going to be a field conversion or I guess I should say maybe an aftermarket retrofit. So we will actually go to fleets, take it off their hands and do the upfit for them. Um, the work we're doing with John Deere will very likely actually be an OEM product first and then may eventually become a field conversion. But the fact that the technology integrates so easily into the, in the design means that it's not an actual technical constraint in any way, really. It's just a question of the business model we want to use in a given market. Well, yeah, and you mentioned the technology's come a long way. Without without drive-by wire and all the electronics that are in these things, this process would have been kind of a pain as a startup, wouldn't it? I think our core competency is taking an engine that runs on diesel and making it run on alcohol. And whichever attributes of that base platform made that either easier or more challenging, um, that's what we would address to make the conversion happen. It goes back to your Commonwealth question a little bit, Willie. You know, I think when you when you go back in time, um, common rail is probably a little easier for us than some of the unit injectors that were used in the past. So I think it is more of the actual on-engine change that would make or break our ability to integrate. Um, not to mention just the volume of the engines that are out there. Newer engines will be more relevant for longer. But you're bringing an interesting piece of information for the field, of the the fleet upfit or whatever you're going to do there. Um, these engines don't need DPF and they don't need uh, SCR, right? They're straight up work without a lot of extra pollution control. Or talk to me about the pollution control. I don't want to assume the answer. Sorry. Yeah. So in, in the near term, we're actually largely going to leave the, the after treatment packaged on there, um, particularly in the truck market. Um, we know we know we don't need a DPF. Um, because we're doing this as an aftermarket retrofit, you know, is is there enough value in swapping out the existing containerized unit for something that was just SCR only? I think that's a question that's still in front of us. We are also actively looking for long term how we can get rid of SCR systems. You know, can we get the engine out lock NOx low enough? Can we reach stoichiometric so we can do it through a catalyst? Um, we're doing this work on Department of Energy grants. It's one of the things that John Deere is very interested in. But as a first product. There's so much value in the ability to cost effectively decarbonize these existing engines that it, it has turned the elimination of SCR as into a nice to have, not a must have. Um, and while we want to get the nice to have eventually, there's enough people demanding the must have that we don't want to wait before we put something out there in the market. So you do have SCR, you're still putting DEF in this, I mean, to run it. Okay, I want to make sure everybody understands that, but that's right. that's a short-term or medium-term issue, I think, maybe in the long run, this will sort itself out. Um, there's a comment in the press release that, uh, you know, it works with um, ethanol, but that you, you're fuel agnostic. Rock me through what that means. Uh, so that means that the basic kind of foundational science behind Clear Flame was finding a way to make any fuel act like diesel fuel. 
whatever that fuel's base ignition characteristics were. And so when we talk about being fuel agnostic um, and then using ethanol right now, what we did is we looked at, you know, of fuels you could use, what is clean burning, what is abundant, what is low cost, what's geographically available. And being fuel agnostic allows us to select fuels based on those types of criteria rather than an ignition requirement from the engine design. So it's really unlocking for any fuel. Um, and the fuels we're focused on right now are the alcohols. It's an important part of the story for ethanol going forward. You know, so much of, of the way ethanol has grown in, in this country has been about, you know, using ethanol specifically for a specific purpose, you know, octane improvement and gasoline blending. Um, which of course has a ton of merit in it, but there's also another side of the ethanol story, which is if you want to decarbonize cost effectively, you don't need to mandate any particular fuel choice. This is the fuel that you would choose purely on its economic and environmental benefits. And I think that's an important message that Clearflame is agnostic and we chose ethanol. We didn't have to have it, but it was the best option. You've been on the test bench. Now you've actually got this in the chassis of a truck. How did that feel? I mean, actually lifting it in and bolting it into the chassis of a truck. How did that feel? Uh, felt amazing. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just so exciting to see it in, like, kind of in that package people would understand um, and know that it's something that, you know, in the next few months we'll be able to hook up a trailer to and hand off to fleets and, you know, see it actually, like, get to work. So, yeah, it's and it's exciting because it's something that we've been saying for a long time, like, We'll know if it works on the dyno, it'll work in a truck. And so just kind of another proof point of our team's ability to execute on something um, and kind of take it to the next level. Which one of you has a CDL? Just a question farmers might want to know. Driving an 18-wheeler, you don't have to raise your hand. You can tell me. You both have your licenses to drive 18-wheelers? I'm going to get my my permit, <laughs> but I have driven the, the truck on a private track uh already and it drives wonderful i am quite irrationally superstitious and i'm not sure it's a good idea for me to ever even touch this thing (laughs) (laughs) fair fair comment but julie from your standpoint though you're driving this thing right you 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 uh you both got the vision for this when you were in college i believe this is a post-grad work that you did or post-doc work you did and now this is a real thing. It's sitting on a chassis. I mean, getting behind the wheel and shifting that into gear and moving, that must have been crazy. Yeah. Unlike BJ, I was like pushing the engineer out of the seat to drive it the first day. <laughs> she, she's still the rational engineer. I've become a business person and I'm subject to all these superstitious whims. <laughs> How times change, that's for sure. So from the standpoint of um, time frame, you're still in startup mode. Congratulations, you've got some funding over the last year, some very solid funding. That makes a difference. But do you see a, a time frame for commercialization for this? Yeah. So, um, I mean, first I would say, you know, Clearflame, we are sort of transitioning from that startup phase to more, more of a growth phase. Now, obviously, in the very early parts of the growth phase. But the next goal for, goals for us really are not just technology validation, but proving that we can actually get this out into the market and scaling. Like, we are at the start of that curve. So, you know, we expect to have some initial demonstrations going with fleets, uh, you know, kind of in that June to July timeframe. Would love to put it out into larger beta demonstrations, you know, late summer or Q4 of this year, and then targeting a a scale up sometime in 2023, basically once we get our EPA approval in place. 
So we're moving aggressively with it. It's something that we can do because it's an aftermarket solution because the SCR is staying on. Um, but it's going to allow us to really get that validation in the market quickly and start solving the problem quickly and proving ClearFund and what we can be. This is really good. Congratulations, BJ and Julie, for getting this far. I mean, you've got it in a truck. The next step is to drive it around and prove it. And I think this is going to be, you're going to have a lot of fun, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And the ne- it's really about, um, you know, the next step being those final steps before a, a fleet handoff for these initial field trials, because we have uh, fleets that are so excited to get their hands on it and be driving it and trying to work it into their operations that we're working as hard as we can to get to that point. Um, that'll be, you know, an early summer initial handoff. So we're really just putting it through its paces to get to that point. And I, I do want to give a shout out to the agriculture community on that, because while everyone is excited, um, the farm community in particular has been the ones to say, yeah, we want to try it and also help you work work out the early kinks with you. You know, this is a first product. There will be its issues. There are some things that we'll want to solve before we hand it off to a mega fleet. And to have, you know, the amount of farm truckers out there coming to us and say, yeah, we, we understand that, but this is cool enough and we're excited enough about it that we would rather test that with you and help you make this product a reality. Um, thanks to them on that. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of those guys who are farm truck drivers also raise a lot of corn. So it all works out in the end of the, at the end. But that brings up one final question for me, and that is on the fleet handoff. Is this a, I mean, you're a, there, how many employees does Clearflame have? We have 20 employees now. Okay. They're not ready to run out and change a bunch of fleets. So I assume you're working on a kit package or some sort of system that you hand this off and you they buy it in a box and they just go through the process. Yeah. Yeah, we're hoping to have some some news on this in the coming months, but we're working with both the existing third-party remanufacturer network uh, and then also the traditional uh, OEM remanufacturing network to be able to provide this to the fleets. Because, yeah, we're not going to go out there and be able to do a bunch of retrofits on their own, um, but we're coordinating with the supply chain that already exists to do that kind of work to scale this up in a faster way than we could as a 20-person company. And the, yeah, you know, the reason that's possible is, be you know, even with this first truck, we did the conversion with personnel that were trained to work on diesel engines, and they were able to install and do this conversion. And that's we're, we're looking to leverage that existing capability that is, you know, throughout the country and all of the existing skills, um, even down to you know what tools you use. Um, we're able to integrate and use that existing infrastructure to be able to get this product out to people. Well, that's cool. And you've got this in an X15 Cummins 500 horsepower engine. Have you worked with any other engines on the on the uh, on the stand yet? We're we're just getting started with the John Deere nine liter soon. So that work is, is just kicking off as we speak, but that will be the next engine. Well, that's a pretty popular engine in the John Deere line, both in ag and construction. So it'd be interesting to see how that comes across. And we'll be following up with that again, Julie and BJ. Thank you for your time and good luck at Clearflame Engine Technologies. Thank you, Riley. Thank you. The Clearflame technology has gotten the attention of commodity groups, farmers, and truck drivers. There are benefits, and we'll be interested to see how the work with John Deere develops too. We thank BJ Johnson and Julie Blumreiter for joining us today, and we hope to see this truck in action soon. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source, with 17 state and regional brands, as well as farm futures, beef, national hog farmer, and feedstuffs, and our events, including the Farm Progress Show, Husker Harvest Days, and the New York Farm Show. And there's another opportunity for staying connected to Farm Progress using your smartphone. If you text FARM to 20505, 
you can sign up for the Farm Progress mobile text service. When you send that first message, you'll get a confirmation, so be sure to respond to that too to get on the list. You can even eventually join the Farm Progress panel to share your insights with our regular polls. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening. <music>